Christ and the importance of the body of Christ. And uh, we don't have to uh, be in church very long when uh, most of the body is out somewhere else. And uh, we begin to realize the need for the body of Christ. Uh, the, the expression, one body, occurs eight times in the New Testament. Eight times. Uh, and I want you to think for a minute of the importance and the responsibilities that is placed upon us collectively as the Church of Jesus Christ. We have a great responsibility. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Uh, we, we have a job that we need to do. And uh, I believe that Jesus is depending on his church. And uh, so first of all, uh, I thought maybe we would look at individual members of the body in... Uh, uh, Romans 12, Romans 12, starting with verse 3. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 3. For I say to, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one body. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives in liberality, he who leads in diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to that which is good. I want to focus in especially on that verse 5. It says, so we being many are one. So we being many are one. How many of you realize that Jesus is not coming for an individual, but he is coming for his church? Uh, we collectively make the body of Christ. Even though Christ dwells in each one of us, I believe that he dwells in us collectively. We are the body of Christ. Uh, a novelist, uh, Frederick Butchner, uh, playfully describes the motley crew God uh, selected. Let me read to you from uh, a quotation from his book. Who could have predicted that God would choose not Esau the honest and reliable, but Jacob, the trickster and heel, that he would uh, put the finger on Noah, who hit the bottle, or on Moses, who was trying to beat the rap in Midian, 
from uh, braining a man in Egypt and said if it weren't for the honor of the thing, he'd just assume that Aaron go back and face the music. Or on the prophets, who were a ragged lot, mad as hatters, most of them, we are a motley crew. Have you, have you ever thought of it? When you think of the body of Christ and all the people that he, he calls and puts together and makes up his body, there isn't two of us that are alike. And we all come from different backgrounds and different heritages and different languages, some of us. Uh, some, of them, uh, some people are from different countries, uh, different temperament. Uh, and yet God brings all of these people together with all of their faults, with all of their shortcomings, and he makes the body of Christ, the church. Most unlikely candidates for such an important job, wouldn't you say? How many of you feel like, boy, God knew what he was doing when he chose me? <laughs> Some, somehow, I think most of us say, God, you, don't, you can't really mean that. <laughs> Not me. Uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven kind of describes it. But God has chosen the things of the world... To shame the uh, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, he has chose the weak things of the world to shame the str uh, strong. He has chosen the lowly things of the world to the uh, and the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So somewhere between the things that uh, are weak and foolish and the things that are not, that we fall in that group somewhere. So, the fact that you have no qualifications makes you qualified. I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand that for one minute, but I know that God, Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And the fact that I'm not qualified makes me qualified. You know, diversity does not have a, to bring divisions. Diversity doesn't mean division. It just means that no two of us are alike, yet we can be united in one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? And God is a God of variety. You know, He didn't stop making... Uh, Insects, when he got to a thousand species. And as a matter of fact, he conjured up 300,000 species of beetles and weevils alone. That doesn't count the rest of the animals, just weevils and beetles, 300,000 of them. If God would have uh, wanted, to, wanted us to be alike, then he would have made us all the same way, right? Did you know that he doesn't even want all of us to look alike? So you girls, when you look in the mirror, you don't have to say, oh, I'm homely. You're exactly the way God wanted you to be. Every one of us are unique. 
And we're wonderfully made. God loves you just the way you are. God planned your life. And God knows what He's doing. Amen? But just because we're different doesn't mean we have to be an oddball. I know God uses oddballs too. But what we do need to do is we need to use what God has given us. And according to 12, uh, chapter 12 here of Romans, every one of us has something to offer. We all have a ministry. We all are used in one way or another. And he goes through there. Now, if, you're, if God wants to use you as a minister, then wait on your ministry. However, if yours is not ministering and yours is exhorting, then wait on exhorting. If, you're the, if your job is to be the treasurer, then wait on being a treasurer. You know, whatever God has given you talent to do, that's what you ought to be doing. You know, sometimes we get into problems. We, we compare ourselves by ourselves, and, and, and in doing that, we're not wise, the Bible says. And how many of you ever thought, well, I can't pray like sister so-and-so or like brother so-and-so, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, uh, you know, and if I could only teach like uh, sister so-and-so teaches, or if I could preach like uh, brother, you know, and we can begin to compare ourselves with ourselves, or against ourselves, and that's not wise. See, God made us with special talents, and he needs everybody in the body, and if he wanted everybody doing the same thing, he would have given us all the same talents, right? And, oh, if I could only play the piano like Flora. Hey, he didn't call me to be Flora. I'm supposed to preach. And so she's supposed to play the piano. And so... We don't get our roles reversed here. I, I never go over and try playing her piano. Uh, I, I just can't do it. And I'm not going to call her up here to preach unless she feels God moved upon her, you know. But why are you doing the thing that you're doing is the question that you really must ask yourself. Why, why do I do it? I think I'm losing everybody's attention here. Either, Patrick, you're going to have to go back over to your mom. Thank you. Because all of a sudden, all, all heads are in different directions and nobody, no one's up looking up here. I just think that we, we have a few minutes on uh, three times a week and uh, we ought to pay attention to what the word is that's being preached, don't you? Okay, thank you. Secondly, there's an inner relationship in the body. I've talked about the individual members, but now there's an inner relationship. And that comes to us over in 1 Corinthians 12. 
First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot says should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is therefore is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, picture this, <laughs> the whole body an eye, where would the hearing be? Well, we could have a whole body as an ear. And everybody be hearing, but nobody be seeing. Where would the where would the smelling be? Oh, now we got to have a whole body as a nose. Uh, see, God has a purpose. The body is one unit, though it's made up of many parts. I I wouldn't want to ride in a car that was all engine. You know, it's nice to have a seat and a steering wheel and, and some of those other parts. Isn't that right? And uh, sometimes we have to make great sacrifices as individuals to be what we are called to be. Can you imagine how wonderfully this church would function if everyone who calls this their church home was here for every meeting and everyone was doing what God had called them to do we would we would be able to accomplish so much more than we do now amen see because your part is just as important as my part up here. And uh, we each have a function. Dr. Brand, in his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, anybody ever read that? Fearfully and Wonderfully Made by Dr. Brand? Philip Yancey, I think, uh, is the one who did the writing the co-author. And he tells about a beggar woman in India who had a lymphoma, which is nothing more or less than a fatty tumor. And in the normal human body, a healthy fat cell is needed. We need fat cells because the fat cells store up fuel. And the more energy you use, the more you can draw from those fat cells the, the, the substance that's needed to keep your body, give your body energy. Uh, if you didn't have these fat cells, you would, uh, wouldn't have fuel to burn. See, our body runs on fuel. We burn fuel. We burn fat. But a lymphoma is a low-grade benign tumor and it's derived from a single fat cell 
which uh, is very skilled in being lazy. And it loves to store up fat, and it kind of rebels against the, rest, the relationship to the rest of the body. And the brain and the, the, the genes and whatever says you're supposed to only store so much fat, and this lymphoma says, no, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And this fat cell runs rampant and it begins to store up this all this fat and it becomes a tumor. And the lymphoma crowds out the vital organs. And it pinches the sensitive nerves. And the body begins to starve. In verse 25, we find here that there, are, there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Well, in the body where this lymphoma is, it, it, this here cell just doesn't care about the rest of the body. And it just begins to crowd out and it begins to pinch and it begins to uh, take what's needed from someone else. And the only one it's caring about is itself. And sometimes in the body of Christ we get, we get that kind of a attitude, you know. I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it and I'm here to be blessed. I'm here to receive and... Uh, too bad about the rest of you, so someone's needed in the nursery. That's too bad. Someone's needed to teach downstairs. That's too bad. Someone's needed to, to teach a children's church. Well, that's too bad. I'm not going to give up what I need so that you can have what you need. You see? And so we have to uh, take our part. We have to be a part of the total and we have to disregard uh, some of our own comfort sometimes to fulfill the part that God has called us to. In fact, the Bible talks about suffering for Christ, doesn't it? And how many of you suffer a whole lot for Christ? Well, once in a while I might get someone to say something about me as a Christian, but not too often. But I believe that we have a job to do here on this earth, and if we're going to get it done, we're going to have to work together. It can't be just part of us. All of us are a part of this body. And then we have the interdependence of the members and the head. And that's found over in Colossians 2. Colossians 2 and verse 18. Let no one defraud you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his own fleshly mind. 
and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, see the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by the joints and ligaments, grows with the increase which is from God. We are all knit together. And the more closely knit we are, the more, if one member of the body hurts, we should all hurt. Amen? That's what the Bible says. If one member rejoices, we should all rejoice. Isn't that right? And so as we are closely knit together, the more closely knit together, the better we perform as a body of Christ. And uh, so there is a real need. Don't let anyone uh, disqualify you from the, from the prize, Paul says. There, there's a reward laid up in heaven for every one of us. And we're going to be rewarded how? At the Bemis uh, judgment seat. How are we going to be rewarded? By our works. Amen. You're saved through the blood of Jesus, but you're rewarded according to your works. And uh, Paul here is trying to show the importance of being connected to the head, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine, uh, how many of you have ever killed a chicken? You cut the head off and that thing flails all over the place. It goes every which way, but it don't know where which way it's going because it hasn't got any head to give it direction. But it's going, and it's going every which way. Uh, sometimes I think that that kind of happens to churches. They they lose contact with the head, and they're they're doing they're doing all kinds of things, all kinds of good works, but they're really not doing what the head wants. And so, Paul is trying to tell us stay connected to Jesus. There's a lot of men uh, with unspiritual minds uh, that get puffed up here. He says, and Jesus apart. Uh, uh, from said apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not remain in me he's like a branch that withered and, and, and dried up and cast out isn't that right we've got to remain a part of the vine we've got to remi- remain a part of Jesus Christ and so uh, our directions our strength comes from Jesus we don't do these things in our own power and you you, you can uh, Stop getting directions from Jesus and start getting your directions from from somewhere else. Sometimes they come from us. Sometimes they come from somebody else that puts pressure on us. But what we need to do is find out what Jesus wants me to do, and then we need to do it. Amen? We need one another. But without Christ, we're nothing. Hallelujah. And then last of all, uh, I see the interpretation of the character of the head by the members. Uh, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11 through 15, it talks about uh, he himself... Uh, gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
That's why they are given to the church, for the edifying of the body of Christ, uh, for the equipping of the saints to help you to be able to do what? Number one, come into unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to the perfect man and the measure and the statue of the, and the fullness of Christ. In other words, to help all of us as the body of Christ to become united and become one and become so that when people look at this church, they see Jesus. That's what it's talking about there. Come into the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning uh, craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. In other words, we've got to grow as a body of Christ. We've got to grow up into the fullness of Christ. We're not to uh, continue to be babies in the Word. We're, we're, to, we're to grow as a body of Christ. And the only way that can be done is through the gifts that was given. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, teachers. And uh, they're to prepare the people. Bring unity and maturity. And then the body grows and it uh, builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. And so, if everyone... Now, imagine this. Everyone that calls this their church home is here. They've, they've been in touch with Jesus. They know what their part is in the church body. They know what God has called them to do. They have accepted that responsibility. They're here doing that responsibility at every every time the, the services are here. They're here. When, when they leave the doors, they're out there doing what God has called them to do. Don't you believe that this church would automatically grow by itself? It would grow and it would edify itself. Edify means build up. It would build up itself. It would... It, I didn't tell my body that it had to grow. But at about the age of, uh, I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere in there, I went from 4 foot 11 up to my full height. I, I just began to grow. All of a sudden, I couldn't, I couldn't keep uh, pants enough around. I, I only bought one pair at a time because uh, by the time I got them dirty, it was time to go buy a new pair because they were all high water pants. I, I was growing so fast that all I wanted to do was sleep. But you see, the body just kind of grows by itself. You don't have to. Uh, Bill up here the other day, uh, Clem and whatever his name there is. Huh? All right. Clem and whoever his name was, was up here, and I, I, can, re I can still see Bill here trying to think about the harvest. And, and boy, he was really getting into it, thinking about the harvest. And we could think about growing and we can pray about growing all we want to, but we're not going to grow until every one of us in the body does what Christ has called us to do. And when we're doing what Christ has told us to do, this church will grow. It's got to grow because the Bible says it has to grow. 
anything that's healthy will grow unless there's something wrong, isn't that right? And so we come in and we, many times we, we get into prayer and we're praying for our church and we're praying for church growth and, and we're, we're praying like, God, show me what's wrong with this church. You know what's wrong with the church? We're just not doing what God told us to do. That's all. We begin to do what God tells us to do and, and this church will grow. Amen. It's got to grow. Hallelujah. Um, Dr. Uh, Paul Brand uh, has spent most of his life working with lepers and leprosy. And he found that the disease, how many of you know what part of the body leprosy attacks? You be quiet for a minute. I know you read it. Hands, feet, and toes, and nose. Actually, it attacks the nervous system. Did you know that? And because it attacks the nervous system, it attacks that part that tells you you got hurt. And so, uh, your shoes, for instance, might be too tight. And you're walking along and you don't realize your foot's hurt. Because the leprosy has gotten a hold of that nerve that says, that's supposed to say, ow, when, when your foot's got a blister on it. And you just keep walking and pretty soon your shoe's filling up with blood and you don't realize it. It hasn't hurt yet. And then pretty soon, this here gets infected. And you still don't have anything that says, ow. And eventually you get gangrene in it. And this part begins to rot off. And it still doesn't hurt. That's leprosy. Uh, you might lose the uh, nerve that triggers the eyelid. And so the eye don't blink anymore. And because the eyelid don't blink every few uh, so often, the eye dries out. What happens to the eye? You go blind because it's not properly lubricated. Uh, you can begin to see how much the nerve cells are needed. There was a little girl that was born uh, without any of these nerve endings. And she would put her hands on, on, a, on a hot plate or something, and she wouldn't even realize her, her hand was burning. You see, we need every part of the body. We need, to, like this nerve cell, we need to be sensitive to one another's needs. And a lot of times, instead of being sensitive to one another's needs, we begin to criticize. You know, uh, there's someone that said, if you just walked a mile in that old Indian, uh, it's an old Indian proverb, you walked a mile in his moccasins, then you can criticize him. Well, sometimes what we need to do is physically put ourselves in someone else's place, and then maybe we would act different or talk different. 
Right? And so part of being knit together in the body of Christ is beginning to to have these feelings for one another. To uh, be aware, you know, hey, it'd be very easy to to criticize. All right, let's take Sandy, for instance. We could criticize her and say, well, where is she? You know, never in church. But we know that her mom is sick. We know that she's making uh, trips to Pennsylvania. She's got children to take care of. Instead of criticizing, we're praying for her. You see what I mean? And we need to build up this kind of sensitivity in the body. And uh, I guess uh, having the proper impulses. And that's kind of what God has been talking to me about all day. The need of one another in the body of Christ. Julie, she fell down and she broke her, her wrist. Now, right away, we, one of the things that should be turning through our minds, she's an old woman. She's living by herself. She's a widow. Therefore, she's a responsibility of the church. And is she going to need help in any area? Is there any way that we can help her out? Uh, these are the kind of things I'm trying to get across. Be sensitive to one another. And the more sensitive we are to one another, the more the love flows and the more the church grows. Amen? Uh, yeah, I'd love to have everyone here, every service. But I'm also aware that it's June. <laughs> and I'm, I'm aware of all the, uh, all the demands that are upon everybody. And so I have to take those into consideration. I know that June will also come to pass. We'll make it. We got a picnic coming up on Saturday. And I hope that most of you are planning on being there, but I know that there's some that just won't be able to. However, I'd like to see a good turnout. I, I think that it's, uh, you know, if we all go to a picnic and no one's there, it isn't much fun. We don't have much fun that way. We don't have much edification in the body of Christ. Uh, there's a the 20th of July they're going to have the women marching again out here you know how how that women lib thing is and I seen a, a poster or well it came to me in my trash mail as a matter of fact from Planned Parenthood that they're, they're out to try to drum up uh, people to go out and march in the parade for them and to write their congressmen and so forth. Well, they're going to get their way unless Christians do something about it. And I say, this is our town. And I think that the 20th of July, we ought to put everything else aside. We ought to clear the calendar. We ought to make the 20th of July a day when we as a church get together and we, we line the, the, the streets of this parade route 
with signs against abortion. That we that they know that we're alive here in this this town and that we're not just taking it setting down. And I think we ought to write to some of our senators and so forth and uh, and, and, and and try to get as much mail to them as the uh, Planned Parenthood is. Yes. Yeah, they just opened a new abortion clinic. In fact, we were some some people went out there the other uh, the other night and was uh, picketing out there, and we were picketing down here by the by the uh, well, it's the town hall, ten uh, ten uh, Fall Street down here, where there's doctors' offices and so forth, and there's also the town offices. We were picketing down there, but hey. The majority of people are just we, we've got to we've got to get some unity in this. We've got to get some oneness in this. The more there is, the more impact we make. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah.